1: Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection, with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean-Victoria Norlock, bringing your inner light to your everyday life. Welcome everybody to this special Thursday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields and I have here with me Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean?
2: I'm fantastic, Rick. How are you doing?
1: I'm just doing great. Uh everybody bear with us uh this evening. This is our first experiment in, in, in a pre recorded uh call with pre recorded uh calls for another network, so theoretically it's all going to be good. Uh Joining us on this Thursday, we have uh, uh, from Germany, and hence the uh, time difference and the need for the pre-record, uh, Ms. Barbara Hoffmeister. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Mick. Welcome.
3: Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on. I mean, thanks especially for pre-recording, because otherwise I would have had to stay up until 2 or 3 at night.
1: Oh, not a problem. We, Like I said, we've done it before, but we've recently switched networks, so it, it'll It's an old experience, new again. There you go. Silence. Silence. (laughs) Deafening, really.
2: Wow. Um, Okay, well, I guess I'll get us started then, since um, Rick seems to be out of words and not knowing what to say. (laughs) Uh, Welcome, Barbara, to the show. Um now you you um are an author. I'm correct? Yes. Okay, awesome. So our our typical question is usually who are you and what do you do? Um so I'm gonna allow you to give a a us a brief overview of your work and then we'll get into a conversation about the background behind it, how you got started and um what you're doing now. Okay. Yeah, I'm the author. I've
3: published so far, I've published two and a half books. I mean, the half book is in the works. (laughs) It was supposed to be out already this year, but somehow I can't get it finished. Anyway, the first book came out last year and it's called To Be or Not To Be, The Choice Is Yours. And it's what I consider my main work because it took me five years to get it all together. And I'm sure we will talk about it more It's a really great book. The other one is uh, To Be Inspired, and that actually is a collection of 1001 inspirational quotes and about 200 or 300 of my quotes, so it's about 1,400 quotes, and I use quotes a lot personally. When I don't feel so great, you know, I just look into my quote book and I always find the right thing, you know, to sort of spur me on and get me excited again and get me into the doing mood again. So I use quotes quite a lot in my own personal life also. Who am I? Well, I'm German, as you said. I work internationally. My book actually was written by me in English, which uh, most people here in Germany find really weird. And I'm just translating it into German now, finally. (laughs) I make myself do it because I want to publish it now also in my home country. But I've lived abroad most of my life, and I've been in personal development since 1978. So it's been 33 years that I am on this journey, first of all of self-healing, and now, of course, of helping others. And uh, I enjoy it so, so, so much. I'm sure you will be able to hear that as we get further into the conversation, because I love my work. I love the people I work with. And I think it's a great blessing that uh, I'm allowed to do this.
2: It's, it sounds like, it sounds like you really enjoy what you do. Um, So to be or not to be, you said you, it took you five years to write it mm-hmm. and you published it just this last year. Mm-hmm. So what inspired you to um, start work on that book? And what's, What's the premise of
3: the book? Well, the book is a very practical book, and it's more a workbook than just a reading book, as a warning to the listeners. You know, if you get it, be prepared to do some work on yourself. Because I found, I mean, in in the 33 years that I'm now in this personal development, self-improvement industry, I have to say that there are thousands of books out there. that tell you what to do, but they don't show you how to do it. And I found that really frustrating, you know. It was one of those stages when I was frustrated with some new books that I just purchased and that I, I just read. And I was having a discussion over breakfast one day with a friend of mine. And I said, you know, it's really getting to me. I'm buying all this books. I've got hundreds on my bookshelf. And somehow this, you know, they never give you the techniques. They don't give you the tools. So it's very difficult for people to actually follow uh, the author. And uh, and he said to me, well, why don't you write it? And for me, it was like, um, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it for a little bit. And he left later on that day and he turned around in the door and he said, Barbara, I'm really serious. You should write it because you wait, You need, you know, it's time that we share the tools. And so I sat down on that very day. I wrote the outline for the book and the table of content and it stayed as I wrote it on that afternoon. So I think it was an inspiration definitely because I was so much in the flow on that day. You know, it just sort of flowed out of me. I didn't have to think about it very much. But then actually getting it all on paper, you know, making sure that it is in the right sequence and that, you know, it's difficult when you know something, it's very difficult to part that knowledge in a way that everybody and anybody can follow it. And, you know, I study up to today, I still study, I go to a lot of courses every year, and I know that there are some great teachers out there that can really make you understood, understand even the most complicated topic. And then there are others; that just take for granted that you know what they know, <laughs> and you sort of say, "Yeah, brilliant guy," but you didn't get any of, you know, any of the information. So I wanted to avoid that. I wanted to make it really uh, simple for people to follow. So that's what it is. It is a workbook, a blueprint that will take you from where you are right now to wherever you might want to go in your life.
2: So these are tools that you've used yourself, so you're writing from a place of experience?
3: Definitely, yes. It's tools that I use myself, and it's also tools that I still use with my coaching clients that I use in my seminars. Tools that I know work, for sure.
2: That's awesome. Um, now, you've been – Um, how long have you been a coach I've been a coach now for about, uh,
3: let's see, 16
2: years. 16 years. What um, what inspired you to start coaching to get into that line of work?
3: Well, in the beginning it was,
2: you know, because I needed
3: to do a lot of self-healing, maybe to my background. I was born in former communist Germany from so behind the Berlin Wall. And we escaped when I was eight years old, my parents and um, me. And it was for me, it was a very traumatic experience, you know, being whipped out of where you belong, you know, where you have friends, where you have family members. And I was living in a small village in Eastern Germany. So for me, it was pretty idyllic, but for my parents, it was not so good. They were entrepreneurs. And of course the communist system did not allow that. So from one moment to the next, uh, I was taken out of what I loved and put into a big city in Western Germany where I knew nobody and had no friends, no relatives, or any relations and My parents of course worked day and night trying to make back what they left behind, so I was left to my own devices very much from the age eight to the age thirteen, I would say you know and in those days, I suffered quite a bit, and I got abused. I got raped later on, and uh, that made me turn into a very, very insecure young woman, very insecure. And uh, so, I needed to actually heal myself first of all before, before I could go into this line of work. And I never thought about going into this line of work; it was just it just happened because I I've done so much work on myself. I've done, I think, every certification there is in the market, probably, traveled around the world, I don't know how many times, you know, going to see all the gurus and attend all the retreats. And uh, so bit by bit, people started asking me, you know, why do you do this and how do you do this and what happened? And this is how I got interested into sharing with other people.
1: that's uh n- not an uncommon story i've had uh, i've had people asking me what they should do about this or what they should do about that for most mm-hmm. of my life and uh uh so uh, uh coaching is just a, a natural extension of that um you mentioned being born in uh east germany mm-hmm. um, so uh, a unique perspective for me pardon me if i am off subject for just a moment but how was it for you uh, on the day that the wall fell?
3: Very emotional. Very, very emotional. Because all of my family, except for my parents, were still living in East Germany. You know, They were still living in communist Germany. So when the wall came down, it was extremely emotional because I, most of my life I had to go through that German-German border and uh, anybody that had ever... To do, had to do that knows how horrible it was i mean they treated you really bad it was a very unpleasant place to be you know the german german border when you got to the east german part it was horrible they really treated you bad and uh, it for me it was always the worst border in the world and i travel a lot so i know most borders but that was definitely the worst so it was very, very emotional, very happy moment too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I've often wondered how it would be. I I thought it was wonderful and uh but you know, I'd only uh traveled to uh um a communist country once. Uh I traveled to uh Saint Petersburg back when it was mm-hmm. still called Leningrad and it was yeah. uh um actually I was about the age you were when you left uh East Germany. And, uh, uh, it, it seemed a little strange to me. It wasn't too bad. The, the, uh, uh, customs person that had me to check through kind of giggled like, Oh, oh, it's a child. Uh, but he (laughs) still had a, had a bit of a look, but, uh, I knew it was a nerve wracking experience for my parents. And, uh, uh, and then we arrived at the hotel, they took our passports and, uh, to check us in, which is not unusual, but they didn't give them back to us. They said, Mm -hmm. well, we'll give them back when we're done. And so there we were for days, no ID, no nothing. It just seemed very odd to me. And um, uh, so I can only imagine at the German-German border where, you know, okay, you speak fluent German, so does everybody on both sides. This doesn't, you know, that's not, uh, you know, we we would have been quite obvious in the middle of Leningrad speaking no Russian, no nothing, <laughs> you know. And uh, uh, so I can only imagine that that had to be a a, a traumatic thing. and.
3: Uh, um, but it, it's so traumatic because it's your own people, you know. You know that it's your own people because my, my whole family was still living there, right? And yeah. my friends were still there. And I'm, I actually live there now again. I moved back here 2 years ago and uh, it was it was your people and this made it so bad you know that you could not for instance when my grandma was sick you could not just visit you had to wait for 6 weeks until you had a visa or they had to be so bad that the doctor gave them you know a telegraphic uh, visa because they thought that they were dying so the only way to really get there fast was by someone dying, and, and that's not a pleasant way to do it. And even in those circumstances, they quite often kept you, you know, when you came with this telegraphic uh, entrance visa, and because somebody was, you know, ready to leave, they searched your calf for hours as if they did it on purpose, you know. Because you bought some coffee or some chocolate for your relatives and stuff like that. I mean, it was just horrible. yeah. yeah. I'm glad it's all over and done with. I can tell you that.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm sure. So, uh, so you have you've been no stranger to uh, uh, you know difficulties to overcome from right at the beginning, right at the outset, almost of your life.
3: Yeah. Yeah, sometimes life was uh, a bit tough and still is today sometimes. It's just, you know, life has ups and downs. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I really believe those people that say that everything is just going up, 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 you know, like we want the stock exchange to keep going up, 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 but it doesn't. And... I don't really believe that the lives are constantly on the top. You know, sometimes you need to feel down so that you appreciate when you feel up. And uh, yeah, I had quite a few down moments in my life, quite a few kicks, uh, but I survived and I'm still here. And I'm still kicking and happy to have made the experience really. That's something that I keep telling people, you know, you need to fail, To understand, to learn from the failure, you know, what can you do better the next time? If you never fail, uh, how can you learn? How will you learn? And I see too many people afraid of failing. Too many people don't do anything with their lives because they're afraid they might fail. They're afraid it might not work. And so what if it doesn't work? I mean, when we learned how to walk, we didn't succeed the first time. You know, we took hundreds of falls before we finally did it. And we never stopped. And that's what I try to teach people also when you are adults, you know, that's the attitude you need to really succeed and make your life a success and enjoy the success your life is because you deserve to be successful. In my opinion, everybody does. But too many people and really too many people in in my Experience between ninety and ninety-five percent of the people in the Western world, especially, don't have a clear direction in life. They just sort of drift through it and hope for the best. And I don't think that's good enough. You know, we can do so much better than that.
2: So that um, that opens up the doorway to a couple questions, um, and they're two totally different questions. Um, (laughs) So the first question I want to ask is how much. Um, how much have you seen um, or how many changes have you seen since the wall has come down in how in how the people of your country interact with not only each other but with other countries around the world um, now that we have this amazing technology that allows us to reach out and, and communicate, learn from, share our vision with other people in other countries um, is I mean, the changes within your own country just must be happening so rapidly. It's almost like they'd have to catch up.
3: Yeah, and they're still catching up. (laughs) They're still catching up. Some people are still catching up. And definitely uh, the two parts of Germany are not 100% together yet. You know, there's still some mental blocks. There's still... Uh, there's still slight differences in pensions and in in pays and in rental and all that kind of thing. Uh, So there is still a little bit of a difference. Uh, In the mentality of the people, well, it has been, I think, 45 years where the two parts of Germany were divided. And it will take almost that much time until it's totally... Forgotten, maybe it will never be forgotten. But I mean, until I think it's totally merged, hundred uh, percent. People, of course, remember the good part. Of now that I'm back in East Germany, I sometimes talk to older people, and they will, of course, remember only the good things. They don't want to remember the bad stuff. You know, they don't want to remember that they were never allowed to travel. They don't want to remember that they couldn't eat what they wanted to eat because you couldn't buy it. You know, you had to eat whatever they had. And if you wanted to build a house or wanted to repair something at house, in a house, you had to know somebody who knows somebody who has access to these materials. You know, because you could not buy this type of stuff in in the stores. So it was all about having connections. And what is true was that in those days, people helped each other much more than they do today. Today, because everything is available. Uh, it's much more, a little bit more of a fight, you know. Everybody looks out for their own things first. There is not so not as much cooperation as they used to be. But I have the feeling that the younger generation now is going back into that, you know, working together works better than uh, just doing it by yourself. So I think that Germany is is in a very good way. I mean, if our politicians would get their thing <laughs> sorted out, I believe that Germany, the general the mentality of the people, uh, they are getting much more open, they travel a lot, they love to travel in foreign countries, and um, I think we are on the right track.
2: So, now, yeah, wow, well, now I'm going to bounce to another question that I wasn't anticipating. <laughs> um if that's the case then with regards to um with regards to the open mindedness and having you know more of a broader view um of what's acceptable in society how acceptable within your own country because you mentioned that you you published it in English first your book mm-hmm. um so how acceptable is your work in in germany right now is it it, it are you rare in that you do something that not a lot of people do, um, yes. or or is it becoming more popular?
3: Well, it's probably becoming in the bigger cities. It's probably becoming more popular, but uh, yes, I am rare, <laughs> which is strange. Yeah, I am rare, definitely in in more than one way. But yes, I I was at a hairdresser's today and I was talking about this to my hairdresser. She asked me, you know, do people come to your meetings? Because I have monthly meetings here, uh, little workshops here in my local community. And I do them free of charge for the community because I want to, you know, share what I've learned in all those years with the local people. And uh, I can see how how careful people are and how suspicious some of them even are you know what could this be and uh, what is she doing and why do i need to know this kind of stuff and (laughs) it's quite it's it's interesting it's totally different to what i experienced in the states for instance or when i go to england Uh, people are much more used to it even in russia even in russia and ukraine i i do a lot of seminars in the ex-Soviet countries. And I tell you, people there are more open and they are really keen to learn. Here in Germany, with this kind of stuff, people are a little bit more laid back, you know. And then, of course, they're always looking out, what is the neighbor doing? So if you have a small workshop, it's very difficult to get the people really rolling because they're always looking, is the neighbor really participating, you know, don't I look stupid when I do this? <laughs> so yeah, It's quite a challenge, it's interesting because my headless asked me today, why do you do it if you don't make any money from it? I said, because I learned from it and I want to give to the community because I live here now, but also because I learn a lot from it. It's a totally different behavior to what I know from working in the States or in England or in, in Russia. Totally different.
2: Right. So um, as part of as part of the work that you do in the workshops, I'm going to now go back to a question that I wanted to ask before. Um, part of the work that you do within the workshops and part of the message in your book, um, what I'm getting from hearing you speak is that it's, it's about being able to admit that you have weaknesses um that you do make mistakes and being able to rise above them, change your way of thinking now is that is that something that you would encourage people to do to admit that you know we're not perfect all the time and it's okay to have gone in a more interesting direction if you know if if you're able to learn from some of the things that you've done in life. And and how can you integrate that into – because one of the things that we talk about often here is um, teachers and guides and um, gurus, although I'm still hesitant to use the word, um, who are not willing to stand on their truth, admit their own imperfections because they don't want their students to know that they um, they've had their own life challenges. And that's – I mean, they're – do you talk openly with your clients or I don't even know if I can call them clients because a lot of the work you do for free. So do you do, do you talk openly with them about, about your past and.
3: Sure. I think it's very important. Uh, I mean, first of all, it's much more authentic because that's me, right? (laughs) That's part of what made me into who I am today. And this is why I believe I have the knowledge the experience that I can help these you know I can help other people because yes I've made mistakes and I still make mistakes today you know we are just not perfect beings that's the way it is and there's nothing wrong with that Uh, also my main message is really that we always have a choice you know we don't have to get we don't have to stay stuck in bad circumstances Yes, we get into bad circumstances, and we cannot change the circumstances, but we can change how we deal with them, you know how we react to them what what we do with them that is in our hands, and we have to take responsibility for our life. You know if things don't work, then it's partly our doing because we've made some wrong choices in the past that got us into this position that we might be in right now and if that position is unpleasant then we should look back and see okay what got us here and then look forward also where do we want to go because that as i already said it's one of the main challenges people have is that they don't have a clear outcome in mind for themselves they don't have a clear picture of their life they don't have a vision for their life they don't. They've never thought about their, what would my perfect day look like? You know, if I could live my ideal life, what would that look like? And I ask people to really write a whole book about their perfect day, you know, a whole journal, not just a few words. I have one client here locally, and he's now been writing on his perfect day for the last three months, I think. And he says that he's already written about 10 pages and uh, it's only the first half an hour of the day. Fantastic. I mean, I applaud him. It takes a bit long, but I applaud him because he really gets emotional about it. He really goes into the nitty gritty details and he really gets himself there, you know, mentally. And then his subconscious can help him to actually physically get there. Uh, I see too many people living in the past, too many people living with guilt, living with uh, past hurts, but they're in the past, you know, learn from them and then move on, because the only time that we can change anything in our life is right now, this second in the present, that's the only time that we can change and that we can change our lives, we can change our circumstances, our situation right now in the present. And what we do now and what we decide now is what, how our future will look tomorrow, you know, or the day after or next year or five years from today. So, yeah, my main message is really that we have a choice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, you you talk about this fellow that's been writing for quite a while and has only gotten through the first half hour of his day. Uh, do you find that you have difficulty getting people started? Uh, so many people, just like you were talking about, people just going through life without a defined purpose or direction, I find that so many careers and, and education pathways sort of tend to squash the use of imagination, Uh
3: Hmm.
1: Do you do you find you have trouble getting people helping people get jump started again, or do they just take right off?
3: Well, it depends very much with, uh, in which situation they are. If they are in enough pain, then you know it's quite easy to jump start them because they're ready. You know they can't take anymore. They don't want to take anymore. They're ready. They want change. They want something different, and then it's fairly easy to to show. You know, you just show them. A, a path that they can take that makes sense for them personally and, you know, sort of prod them along a little bit, not very difficult. But people who are sort of okay, <laughs> not too happy, not too successful, but okay, those are quite difficult, yeah, because, you know, they don't, they are so much in their comfort zone and then they have the fears you know if i change if i do something different maybe i will not like it maybe i will fail and all the fears come up you know and then we have to deal with them which is also not difficult to do and my book really takes them step by step and step and they can take it at their own pace i just recommend that people actually do the work because Life is so precious, you know, we don't want to waste it. You you know, I, it happened to me many years ago that I was in a workshop with Jim Rohn and he was one of my big mentors and a great man. And Jim Rohn made us, I mean, helped us in a weekend workshop to discover our purpose. And I've written it all down, you know, really in detail and I was extremely excited about it. And then I started moving in that direction and I started implementing, you know, and, and taking the action that I needed to actually succeed in that direction. But the problem was, as is normal, that in the beginning it wasn't too successful. You know, I mean, I was a beginner, right? So I wasn't too fantastic at it. And it was very difficult to get work and, and you know, it was challenging. And then, of course, people come and they show you another opportunity opportunity and they show you that the grass is greener on the other side and you take it up because it's a bit tough right now and so what happens 11 years later I actually go to another workshop uh, and again I you know I work through finding purpose and all that and I come back to exactly, identically the same thing that I'd written 11 years before. And I was for 11 years, I was drifting. I was drifting in the direction that I wanted to go into, but drifting, not really going. I was not the master of my path, that's for sure. And this is how easy it can happen. You just go off track, you know. And people put so many layers of protection around themselves because they don't want to show their vulnerability. They don't want to show that they've been hurt. They don't want to show that they've failed, that they've made mistakes. Um, I don't recommend people to do that. You know, I always show them who I am and what I, you know, always share some of my private hardships <laughs> and and how I overcame them so they see that I'm human, you know, I'm not perfect, far from it. And but I do my best, and I live the happiest life that I am able to live. And I want them to do the same.
1: Absolutely. Because uh, Jean and I have talked, and, and, and with some of our guests, about um, there there seemed to be a trend for a while. I think it, we're getting away from it now. But we're... <laughs> uh spiritual teachers, coaches, gurus, uh, if you will, uh, sort of hid the, the, their real self from their uh, students or followers uh, yeah. in, o- in order to appear, you know, perfect. You know, if you do this, yeah. you'll you'll live in abundance. I mean, look at me. And if you do this, you'll have that. Look at me. And yeah. um, it's, I think, somewhat unrealistic for people and it it leaves them that well yeah it's easy for them um, outlet and um, and and I think it makes the work much more approachable when you're just genuine when you just like you said it makes it much more authentic I just am who I am Um, and um, uh, that that vulnerability that that willingness to to be open in who you are is uh i think vitally important
3: yeah i think so too because uh, when people hide behind their you know their self-built walls i always say i come from behind the berlin wall but what i see all around me are people that are building their own berlin walls and they think that they are protecting themselves from the outer world but in reality really they are imprisoning themselves because I've been one of them. You know, I was like that when I was so insecure as a young woman, it was a disaster, you know, nobody could approach me and I still got hurt. <laughs> so it doesn't protect you, but it keeps you, uh, within yourself. And it's, it's not pleasant because you, you cannot live your full potential, not, not anywhere near it. And, uh, so, there are some gurus. I don't like the word guru very much, but there are some superstars in the field of personal development. Like, for instance, uh, uh, Tony Robbins or T. Half Ecker. For me, they're role models because when you, when you work, I've worked uh, with T. Half Ecker and um, I know Tony or I've met Tony several times. Those guys are role models because they, are so committed. I mean, even after all this time and all this incredible amount of money that they've made, they are so committed. They, you know, I mean, they really do everything it takes to make it work for themselves and also for others. And, yeah, it's expensive. But if you follow, I mean, if you really follow through, which very few of us do, unfortunately, you know, we need to hear it more than once. And very few of us are that committed to ourselves that we are willing to, work, to burn the bridges behind us, you know, and really play a hundred percent. Very, very few people are willing to do that. But when you are, you rise to the top. It's almost automatic, uh, but it's tough, very tough because it's every day again, you know, every day you are challenging yourself. It's not the outer world that challenges you, you need to challenge yourself, and I often don't win that challenge with myself,
2: you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> right
2: so it's a um it's a book that really walks you through the steps of of looking in the mirror and um seeing what it is about your life that you you personally feel you could change to improve upon your life and you're doing it for you. And, of course, by extension, when you when you improve upon your own life and you um, concentrate on your own well-being and you come into a place of balance um, and grounded peacefulness, that extends out into the world around you and touches the people that you interact with. Mm. Now, how long... I'm, I'm, this might be a weird question, but you work with people and you use the the book as almost like a workbook. How long does the process usually take? Um, and, and is it unique for each individual? Do some people just whip through it and and seem to get it automatically, like their s- spirit was already screaming at them, you know, years back? Uh, you know, you know, you know, and so they have they have a clue as to as to what this is all about. Is it, is it a personal thing for every every individual, or does is there you know does it seem to be that pretty much everybody that's done this take the same amount of time to work their way through the through the process?
3: That's an excellent question. I've asked myself this question quite a few times. It's uh it's a very unique it's a very personal thing, really. Uh, it depends very much where people are, you know. I've, the book has been read by quite a few people who are working in the same field that I am working in, and and they used it, and of course they go through it faster than somebody would never had anything to do with their mindset and with their attitudes and with their beliefs and their values. You know, for them it's a whole new field, so obviously they will take a little bit longer but even the even people like myself or people that have been in this scene for quite some time they say that they still get so many revelations about themselves because it digs the book digs pretty deep down of course the people have to do the, the work themselves you know but i ask questions that sort of uh Yes, uh, rattles some cages, and <laughs> that some people are very challenged with, and you know some people enjoy the process very much. Other people find it painful. Other people find it joyful. They love it. You know, they write to me. They say it's incredible. You know, I'm flying. And another person says, "My God, I got stuck in the first chapter." You know, because. <laughs> Of this question, I don't want to think about my death because I say, ask the question, for instance, you know, if you would pass away, I mean, what would you want people to say at your gravesite? What do you want people to say about you? And how close are you to that, <laughs> to them saying that? And for many of us, you know, there's a pretty big gap there between what they would say if we would go today and what we would want them to say, you know? So those are thought processes that when people really seriously ask themselves those questions, they will get some amazing insights into their own life, into their own emotional state, into their dreams and wishes again, because we forget when we get older, we forget about the dreams, you know, Life seems to get in the way and, and then you seem to have more obligations than dreams. But when we were young, we had loads of dreams. And we actually, most of us, believed we could make them come true. And I always say, and we can. We can make them come true.
2: So this, this book is not about giving answers. It's about asking. I just want to make sure we get clear on this for people that are listening. It's about asking all the right questions to yourself. Because yourself, your your higher self, your inner self, your inner light already has those answers. Right? Definitely. Yes. Okay. It now
3: also, it also shows a lot of techniques and tools of that will help people, you know, to find the answers within themselves. But definitely, the answers are within themselves for sure.
2: Okay. Now, is this a book that anybody can pick up? I mean, um, somebody who's never taken the dive um down this path or, or walk this path or or like you said thought about thought about consciousness, thought about their place in the world, thought about their beliefs. Um is this a book that anybody can pick up and and, and work through?
3: Anybody can pick it up and work through it. Whether they will <laughs> who knows. <laughs> but yes. Anybody can pick it up and work through it. It's written in very, you know, it's written just as I as I speak. Very simple language, um, quite entertaining in parts, a little bit sad in other parts. You know, I use personal stories. Uh, I use examples from other people. I use examples from history, for instance. You know i always try to give a little tiny bit of theory but very very little very very little and no jargon no slang no uh, special words that people cannot understand just everyday language and then i give an example or two so that people can relate to why this could be important for them also and then we do the technique then we do we actually do the exercise so it's a very, very interactive book.
1: That sounds great. Where can folks find you on the uh, on the internet and and your book uh, if they're looking for you? We're certainly going to have links up on our site with the archived recording, but for our podcast listeners,
3: excellent. Uh, yes, they can find me. My hub site is barbara.hofmeister dot com. That's b a r b a r a h-o-f-m-e-i-s-t-e-r barbarahoffmeister.com that's my website there they can find me on Facebook they can find the book website the coaching website and all that and uh, they can find the book on Amazon <clears throat> the book again is called To Be or Not To Be The Choice Is Yours and um, they can also get the book from the book website it takes a little bit longer because then it will be sent from germany but i will personally sign it for them so that should be a nice incentive if they want it signed then they can order it from the book website and that's com. and so also on the book website i have a special offer because i have created a new audio program as people are so super busy these days, (laughs) they get worse and worse and worse. And uh, so I've created short moments to be, those are one to three minute short audio messages, practical tips, uh, short techniques, inspirational messages for everyday use. And uh, the people that are using it, it just came out recently, The people that are using it already, they love it. Going to work, in the car, or when they get up and have breakfast in the morning, they listen to this very short message, and it gets them positively into the day. And uh, so for the people who get the book from the book website, they will also, if they so choose, they will also get the CD, and it will be free of charge for them.
1: That's fantastic. Could could you give us an example uh, of one of these uh uh shorts?
3: Oh yeah, sure. Moments to be could be for instance how to handle criticism. A big issue for a lot of people. It could be how to be a good receiver, how you receive compliments, you know, how really to to build up your confidence. Um the three steps to success for instance is one um how to overcome fear, whatever I think of. I mean, it's really everyday, for me, everyday stuff. Um, but I try to squeeze it in as short a time as possible, you know, so that people really have use for it. And it's everyday things that we talk about, why we worry, what does worry do to us, Um well, can't think of any more now but
1: Yeah, yeah, no, but that's great and short.
3: Eventually there will be three hundred
2: and sixty five of them. That's the goal. <laughs> One for each day of the week or day yeah. of the year, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I guess again, a large part of your work um is is getting people to integrate this knowledge into their everyday being so yeah. that um they're acting consciously you know, every minute of every day and they're aware of how their actions affect the world around them, how it will affect the outcome um, of their future, basically, because you're like you said, your now moment does define what's going to happen next. So if you had, um, well, you do have a, a few minutes, <laughs> if you had a few minutes to um, to tell the world, Something that you felt was you know important that they try and or you know a message that you would like others to hear what what would that be? Well, I think
3: the shortest path to happiness, and that's what we all strive for is to adopt an attitude of gratitude. I think that's so easy to do, and so many people don't even think about it uh. What I recommend people to do is at night, before they go to sleep, give thanks for at least three to five good things that happened during the day, and even if it was a bad day, you know, think of some positive things like the sunshine, for instance, or a bird song, or a little a little child smiling, smiling at you. What, you know, whatever was nice on that day, really give thanks for that because that helps you to sleep on a positive note and it helps your subconscious during the night uh, to process positive things because most people go to sleep worrying about tomorrow and worrying about what might happen and worry is praying for a problem, you know. But So don't do that. Go to sleep on a positive note and give thanks. And in the morning, I recommend doing the same. Before you get up, just give thanks for the positive things you look forward to in the day. That means you go into the day with a positive mindset, with the intention of making good things happen. And that takes, all together, evening and morning, takes a minute a day. It's totally free of charge. <laughs> Everybody can do it. And I can promise you that it will lift a heavy weight of your shoulders, it really changes life. If you do that every day for a few weeks, I can promise that you feel different about your life.
0: I
1: would have to heartily agree that uh, I find uh, it to be true that uh, that I tend to wake up in the state that I go to sleep in. Mm-hmm. And um, and so get, getting into a positive frame, even if all you can find is how comfortable the bed is, <laughs> before yeah. you, before you drift off, as opposed to, like you say so many people fall asleep in the midst of their worries, and uh, and and that's a good a good way to wake up into the middle of them the next day. So, uh, I would have to agree with you that um, that that can be a real life changer for people, and it's short, simple, and uh, as you said, free of charge.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Everybody can do
1: it. Everybody can do it.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, listen, Barbara, I just want to thank you so much for joining us this evening. It'll be for our listeners. Um, It's been a a wonderful conversation and and a fantastic, unique look at uh, uh, a great variety of, uh, of subjects, and it sounds like you're doing some fantastic work with folks.
3: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and thank you for giving me the opportunity to do this at a reasonable hour. (laughs) (laughs) I really, really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, and let's stay in touch and uh, see what we can do together, you know, to help the world wake up and actually live their life, you know, really live their life in a happy state, in a positive state
2: absolutely that's what it's all about unity community helping each other getting the message out making it available for people um to to be able to find their their own path to happiness so so thank you cuz that's um it it just does my heart glad every time we have a guest on who's who's been down a darker road and taken those experiences and turned them into something as positive as as a program or a book or or anything creative that can can bring light into other people's lives. So thank you for um thank you for that Barbara. We uh we are grateful to have people like you in the world who are doing what they can to make a difference. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely.
1: <clears throat> well, listen everybody, we just want to thank you for uh listening in this evening and uh, uh hope you all can join us on Tuesday. We'll be back with uh Mama Web. For a return visit, the uh, the queen of shenanigans. So Uh, uh, queen
2: of calling shenanigans. Calling shenanigans. I was was reminded today.
1: (laughs) Okay, let's get that straight.
2: He says it has been a while since she caused her own shenanigans. So, um, but she'll call them on anybody.
1: (laughs) Yes, she will, and and uh, quickly. Oh. And uh, so maybe we'll call some on Tuesday. There's hard to tell. But anyway, thanks thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Absolutely. All our love. Join Rick and Jean again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me and be sure to like their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Worried you might miss an episode? Don't worry. Subscribe. Find us on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection.
0: So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared, With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See Jared.com slash for details.